0: Welcome to another episode in the podcast series on the COVID-19 Response Toolkit for Education. UNESCO is developing the COVID-19 Response Toolkit for Education as part of the work of the Global Education Coalition formed by UNESCO to respond to the crisis. This is an exercise that we are conducting together with McKinsey. Today, our focus will be on Chapter 4 of the toolkit, re-enrollment. This chapter was developed uh, based on uh, different experiences and uh, work conducted by McKinsey and UNESCO. My name is Boran Shakroon. I'm the director of the Division for Policy and Lifelong Learning Systems at UNESCO. And I will be engaging in a discussion with uh, Stephen Hall, associate partner in McKinsey Dubai office, who led the development of this chapter. Stephen, from the engagement we are having with the policymakers, we can see a lot of importance given to the re And I think that there are different factors that are driving this policy interest. I can see two main factors. First of all, there are expectations that the out-of-school population is set to increase. Second, we can expect also the delays in re enrollment of children in the future. On the first one, this we can learn from the previous experiences, For example, uh, based on the uh, Ebola crisis, we know uh, that 25% of students in Sierra Leone and 13% of students in Liberia did not return to school after the Ebola outbreak. Girls' participation even more at risk. For example, in Liberia, the number of girls out of school was three times higher compared with pre-Ebola numbers. In countries like Guinea, girls were 25 less likely than boys to enroll in secondary schools compared with pre-crisis levels. And in Sierra Leone, most affected communities, girls were 16 percent less likely to be in school after reopening. Of course, we can learn a lot from these the previous crises. Our data on projection related to the population at risk shows that we may expect more than 24 million children and youth from pre-primary to tertiary level who may not return to education. This number is purely based on the economic shocks due to COVID-19, but the situation probably will be even worse if the impact of school closures is taken into consideration other factors, and it will have impact on increased child labour, on early pregnancy and early marriages as, as examples. For instance, 7 million unplanned pregnancies are expected by UNFPA, making it harder for girls to come back to school. And for other vulnerable populations, including students with low access to remote learning and students from low-income families, of course, the risk of dropping out will, will increase. As I mentioned earlier, there is a second factor that we need to take into consideration is that we can expect a delay in re rolling children. As many parents across geographies feel uncomfortable letting their children go back to school. For example, as many as 84% of parents in France, 90% in Qatar, and 88% in Colombia report feeling this way. So our system must be ready to respond to alleviate these risks uh, that the case of efforts to expand access in the context of the education for all, in the context of the Sustainable Development Goal 4, may be undone in a matter of months. And Stephen, uh, of course, we need solution. And it's important that countries respond to the dropout in enrollment in their education system. So what will be the first step that you think uh, countries have to take? So
1: I think the first step in all of this is to really understand the nature of the challenge and where we think the challenge is going to be particularly acute. I think you pointed to a number of the risk factors that will contribute to dropout or the risk of late or even not re-enrolling at all amongst different groups of children. I think the first and most important of those is disengagement from the system. So the longer that children are out of school, the children who have the least access to remote learning options, whether that's via the internet, telephone, whether it's via television or radio, but also children who are uh, already in areas which are marginal for enrollment or who are in populations who are marginal for school enrollment or have only recently in areas where enrollment has only recently increased. I think there will be particular challenges. And I think that's somewhere that you as a system leader thinking about where to prioritize effort, I think that will be one important lens. The second thing you pointed to the economic pressure. So I think it's really important for us to understand at a system level how many of the students, especially thinking about high school students and older children, are facing the pressure to enter the labour force and what's that going to do to their chances of re enrolling in school and their longer term -term prospects. And then finally, as you said, understanding a little bit in in more granularity, what is it that's driving parents to say that 90 percent of them, 80 percent of them, would be worried about sending their children back to school? Are there specific things that we can do at schools? Are there specific things that we can do in transportation? Some of this is obviously about really the health measures we need to put in place, but some of it is also about parent perceptions and how do we communicate the right messages.
0: But What about uh, levers that countries might be able to use in this context to prevent permanent or temporary school levers? What do countries have uh, in their toolkits to address this problem? What are the solutions or policy levers that they can consider? So many of the
1: things that countries will be able to do to respond to this challenge, some of them are very specific to this crisis, but I think we can also learn a lot from both previous crises, but also what has worked historically in getting challenging uh, population, Let's scratch challenging. One of the things that countries can do is to learn not only scratch that as well. I think there are two kinds of solutions here. I think there are things which are very specific to the COVID crisis, And there are things that we can learn from what has worked to bring up school participation that may be able to help us get children back into school. To take supply first, I think very specifically from a COVID standpoint, making sure that schools are safe and healthy, making sure that parents understand that they're safe and healthy and making sure that we monitor the extent to which that is true. And that we're actually providing that guidance and that advice, not just to headteachers and to teachers, but to families as well will play a really big part in everybody feeling comfortable about children going back to school. So for instance, in Denmark, there were a number of health measures that were put in place, wash stations, increasing the number of sinks, automatic taps so children didn't need to touch them, increased numbers of cleaning staff. So that actually when families were given all that information and provided with those guidelines, over 90% of primary school students returned by about the third week of reopening. There are other things that we can do around supply. There are historically, obviously, populations which have been underserved whether it's with primary schools or with secondary schools so are there things that we can do as part of this crisis to provide more school places or provide it in a more convenient or closer to communities so that as children start to think about coming back from this crisis they have a more convenient option rather than it actually being more challenging for them to get back into the school i think on the demand side there are a number of things that we can do as well to raise demands amongst parents and children mm-hmm. before returning to school There are also a number of interesting levers that we can use on the demand side. The classical example is through cash transfers, whether conditional or unconditional, whether that's provided to parents, whether that's provided directly to students if they're they're a little bit older. Now, we all know that budgets may be constrained, but if there are existing systems in place to do some uh, some of these measures, that may be an important part of the solution of getting children back into school. But there are other things that we can do at a school level in terms of just engaging directly with the community so after the floods in costa rica in 2015 the minister of education asked the school directors in across about 400 schools to make sure they personally were checking out with families to make sure that they don't lose any children from the classroom and so making sure that we actually have that degree of engagement that degree of interaction with parents i think the same thing with uh, with being able to communicate directly with parents in a way which makes sense to them so they understand what's happening around re enrollment very recently, the the Davis School District in California has been offering online resources for parents, including in English and in Spanish, to try to engage with them very closely to understand what is it about re-enrollment, why are we sure that this is safe, and what is it that's going to be happening when schools reopen come the fall semester. I think the exact mixture of levers that any individual country is going to deploy will depend very much on the nature of the system, the nature of the challenge. It will also depend on the resources that they have available in terms of how much budget flexibility they have and how much implementation capacity they have within the department or within the ministry. I think it will also depend significantly on the uh, understanding a little bit how widespread is this problem likely to be. Is this somewhere where we need a nationwide effort focused on getting all children back or are there very particular geographies or very particular groups of children where this is likely to be a particular challenge?
0: Absolutely, Stephen, and I think the the three key levers that you you mentioned, uh, improving the supply, increasing the demand and addressing institutional factors can act like lenses where the countries have to adapt them and use them to uh, decide on on the strategy to be adopted. I think there are other aspects that, uh, of course, uh, countries have to consider. One is ensuring that there is a strong monitoring system that is a basis for any monitoring of the re-enrollment. And uh, obviously also that they have to be conscious that tracking enrollment alone will not allow countries in to understand whether students are truly engaged and, and remain in the school. And if they have to take uh, probably into account other aspects like the, the social emotional aspect of the uh, enrollment. And these are important aspects. But maybe on the monitoring and evaluation, I think that there are four factors or four aspects that will have to be taken into consideration. One is looking at the enrollment. Second is on the engagement. Third on the retention. And fourth on the performance, which will give a a rather complete view of the progress. And that's the case, for example, a country like Philippines, who continuously monitor the enrollment level across the country through the learner information system, which then they consolidate the data at the level, at the country level from the enrollment form submitted. They publish this data on Twitter and Facebook to be as transparent as possible and to share it to the wider community, parents and and the the society at large. In addition to the enrollment, the Philippines are also setting up capability to monitor the implementation of distance learning modalities. For example, uh, while they look at the policies that are currently in development, the government is working on amending multiple aspects of engagement like tracking, including attendance, grading system and absenteeism. In many other countries, education management information system are not ready to collect, analyze, and disseminate the data that can support rapid decision-making under such volatile situation. We must learn from this experience to make our education system more resilient in the future by making our data system more crisis-ready. Thank you, Stephen, for uh, the discussion today and for the engagement uh, on the re-enrollment. Thanks very much, Burhan. You can find more information on the toolkit and the enrollment chapter, including a more detailed description of the problem, the framework of response case studies and practical checklist of action on the Global Education Coalition website. In addition, for more information, you can access material developed by other members of the coalition around re-enrollment. Thank you.